Hello, and welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the interesting and creative people of Austin, Texas. As always, my intention is to have meaningful and in-depth conversations that I hope will be of value to you, the listener. They certainly are to me. I really love doing these interviews, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support our local art communities and create opportunities and success for ourselves through conversations like these. You might have noticed, unlike many other podcasts, this one has no sponsors. For me, it's a passion project that I create and produce 100% on my own every week. Please consider helping to support me and my continued efforts by becoming a patron of mine. Go to austinarttalk.com and click on the support tab to learn more. And if you really love an episode and have a feeling it might benefit someone else, please share it with them. It might be exactly what they need to hear. Thanks to those who follow and interact with me on Instagram, at Austin Art Talk. That is by far my favorite social media platform. I post daily about local art events and try to support and share the work of previous podcast guests, along with other interesting people, art, and podcasts that I find which you might enjoy. On to the rest of the show. Stella Alisi is a painter and longtime Austin resident who decided when she was 11 years old, growing up in New Jersey, that she would be an artist. After attending college and living all over the United States, Stella settled in Austin with her husband, Leon, and together they have built a great life together that supports the creative freedom they desire. She spent a few decades working as a photographer, but had the goal to quit by age 50 and commit to painting full-time. I've known Stella for decades, but it was great getting to sit down and really dig into her story. What an interesting life she's had thus far. If you know Stella, you will love this interview, and if you don't, there are so many gems of wisdom in her approach to life and art that I know you will get a lot out of it. Here is Stella. Uh, okay, Stella. Well, thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. And you're you're one of the people in Austin that has, uh, I think, consistently listened to this podcast, and you've given me a lot of feedback, and I appreciate that. You're welcome. I've been enjoying it a lot. It's great to hear all those things that you you know when you meet people out at an opening that you don't really get to talk about. That's yeah, but the, the good stuff. So. Even if you're friends and you have them over, you might not ask them all those questions. That's right. So it's great to know all this. Then when I meet somebody, I, I have something, an in. Like yeah. I know something about them and yeah. I can yeah, talk about that. And, yeah, it's less yeah. intimidating than mm-hmm. just starting from scratch. Yeah. And yeah. it also takes that, all that, you know, putting people on a pedestal away. It just yeah. kind of brings everybody down to like a even level playing field. Yeah. Like, oh, we're all kind of just the same, like different, but the same. Yeah. And we're all dealing yeah. with the same things, yeah. the same struggles, mm-hmm. same fears. Yeah. 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 Well, uh, I've been really excited to interview you because we've known each other for almost 25 years. <laughs> That's a long <laughs> time. I don't know if I would say you're responsible for me being a photographer, but I did take my, literally took my very first photography class at Austin Community College with you. All right. That makes me so happy. Yeah. That you're was just the, still doing it. the pinnacle. It. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That was really cool. And I have a photo uh, from that class. I think I'll put it on the... Oh, fun. On the website. All right. On your webpage. Do you know which one I'm talking about? I have no idea. Okay. I gave you a copy of it years ago. It's kind of a weird black and white photo of a photo shoot happening in a small classroom. And it's kind of a weird conglomeration of like lights and stands and people. And And is there a couch? kind of in the middle of it. I don't know, maybe. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so, well, I know a lot of Austin artists are going to be excited to hear this interview, but I'm just wondering for anyone outside of Austin that might not be familiar with you, maybe how would you basically introduce yourself? 
I'm a painter. I'm an oil painter. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've covered all different styles of painting, but basically, I'm an oil painter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're pretty at, simple. And you're kind of at a, a stage of work that's more minimalist, I guess. You'd minimalist, say. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit of calling it hard-edged painting. Um, minimal. Yeah. You know, I think when I first became aware of you as a painter, you were doing very photorealistic type work. Yeah. My work has taken many routes, (laughs) and the realism came out of photography. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, so um, I started doing photography when I was in grad school and kind of fell in love with it. I had a great teacher in grad school who was a feminist that I really liked, Mm. and so that's how I got involved in photography, just because I wanted to work with this teacher, but then like, you know, went into the dark room and totally fell in love with being in the dark room and watching the images emerge. And so, um, even though I got my degree, uh, my MFA in painting, my thesis was in photography. Um, and it was a collaborative project that I did with somebody, but getting back to my realism and painting, then went through photography, I really learned to see light in a way that I hadn't seen light before. Yeah. Uh, so then that moved into the realism. I was taking photographs and just painting those. Um, I'm not sure why. And actually, that's probably why I stopped because after a while, after the challenge of it was done, I was like, why am I painting these things that look just like photographs? Yeah. I could just show the photographs. Right. So um, <laughs> I love the exploration and learning how to paint like that. And I think that's what drives me to switch so often. It's just like, oh, you know, I like problems. I like figuring out problems. Mm-hmm. So this way... You know, if I switch the way I work, I have a whole new set of problems to figure out. Yeah, and, nice. Uh, yeah. Keep it fresh, keep it challenging, and yeah, keep, keep it interesting. Mm-hmm. Keep me interested, yeah. So yeah. is it true that when you were 11, you made a statement to your family about wanting to be an artist? Is yes. that where it all started? Yes, uh, I, I, I don't have very many clear <laughs> visions. It's embarrassing, but true. I remember I was on the driveway of my parents' house, and my girlfriends and I were drawing and I like stood back and looked at my drawing. I think I was drawing like a Cat Stevens album cover. Okay. And it came out pretty good, if I do say so myself. <laughs> and I was like, this is it. I'm going to be an p- artist. That's, I'm an artist. And I never look back. Wow. Ever, never. Yeah, I am a very focused person. So maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. But um, super focused was going to be an artist. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until recently that I started thinking, hmm. You know, I I made the decision when I was 11. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But wasn't there also kind of like with your family, like a consideration of being practical and having a job that actually... There was, certainly. And my parents were very supportive of me being an artist, but really was pushing me towards commercial art. Yeah. But I'm I'm so lucky. I had wonderful parents. Absolutely wonderful parents. I had an idyllic childhood. I had lots of support. Even though I said, I'm, no, I'm going to be a painter. I'm going into the fine arts. They still paid for my education. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, okay. my undergraduate work. Yeah. Um, I was very lucky that I grew up in a time where uh, my graduate work was paid for by teaching during grad school. So I went to three years of grad school basically for free. They paid me a stipend to teach. It was amazing. So I was able to do three years of grad. And I would have stayed there if they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would have let me. Did you end up um, going? I know 
since you grew up in in the New York area, did you go to one of those high schools that was kind of specifically about art or anything? No, like I, that? I I I grew up in East Brunswick, New Jersey, and the high school there was amazing. Uh, mm. It had tons of art classes. We oh, had wow. commercial art, we had figure drawing, we had illustration. I went to ceramics. I had oil paint. There, I by my senior year, my entire schedule was different art classes. It wow. was incredible, and I had about like four or five different art teachers during that. So, and then I was even going to college, like before, like the summers in between, I was going to Parsons and then one year I went to LA to go to Otis. So, um, I was a very focused young person. (laughs) Driven. Uh Yeah. I was going to be an artist, you know. Yeah. What? Go ahead. Yeah. No. I was just going to say what in high school or going into when you're starting to do these college classes, like what were you interested in? What was your work like? I was learning the fundamentals of technique. I was figure drawing. I loved figure drawing, you know, and just drawing and painting. It took me a long time to figure out oil painting. I, I probably went through the first three years of college, not really learning how to oil paint. Like they throw you in a classroom and they don't really tell you what to do with the, when I got to that point. I feel yeah. like my early fun foundation years, there was a lot of instruction. But by the time I was like taking oil painting, which, you know, they wait a little bit. I was actually, it was when I was, in, I did a year in Paris. Oh, wow. And they threw us in the you know studio and said, okay, start painting. But nobody like told me anything. So all my paintings were green for like a year. Because like, <laughs> I didn't know you probably should like keep your colors a bit separate and let things dry and things like that. Um, So, yeah. Was there a consideration of like how to make a living or at all? Certainly. Um, (laughs) You know, but I had eight years of art school. Okay. So um, with two years between undergraduate and graduate school that I kind of just, you know, uh, I actually lived in Alaska for a while oh, and wow. moved to Tucson and was rock climbing and riding my bicycle a lot and being a waitress um, and, and drawing and making art all throughout that. But I like to travel. So, um, yeah. so yeah. So then, you know, certainly once I got out of grad school, that reality hit, mm. you know, like, Oh, right. I have to make a living. Is that when you found photography or wedding photography or when did that come into the picture? Yeah. After grad school, I left grad school and, um, Immediately moved to San Francisco for a while, and I was worked in the dark room in San Francisco at the university there as like just like a tech person, like you know cleaning and mm-hmm. changing chemicals and answering questions. And um, but I was also like cleaning houses because that kind of work where you clean houses just didn't really take up a lot of your mind, and it made enough money that I didn't have to work full time. Yeah, like I could work twenty five hours a week and then have the rest of the time to do my work. And then I left San Francisco. I was kind of lonely. I moved out there by myself. I didn't really know anybody. And um, my parents had a house in New Jersey, and they went to live down in Florida. So I was like, oh, my God, their house is empty. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, I'm just going to go live in their house and kind of figure out what my next move is. And um, there was a a wedding photographer in the town. And uh, I was like, well, I was waitressing. I was like, maybe I should do something with photography mm-hmm. I was like oh, I'll work for this guy for a while and I did that as an assistant as an assistant yeah. I did that for a few years and that didn't scare you away from shooting weddings at all? um <laughs> uh, it should have but I, d- I saw that he made a lot of money yeah you know I was like this guy's making a lot of money yeah, and yeah. um we're going all over the place in chronological yeah, order yeah, yeah. but uh I uh 
during that time, I had met Leon, yeah. and we uh, moved to New York City together. And um, your husband now, my husband now, yeah, yeah. and uh, who's also a photographer, who's also a photographer. Yeah. And once we got to New York, I had many jobs. Kept the job doing the wedding stuff, but I was working at ICP, also oh, in their yeah. lab, and assisting the teachers there. That was a great experience. Mm. And then um, I did some illustrations. I was a waitress. I taught like this at this little like after school kind of photography program. Worked a ton of jobs in New York until we decided to leave um, yeah. and come to Austin in '93. Is there anything yeah. anything up to that point in your chronology that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, a, a little bit. Um, I did kind of wanted to talk about grad school because it was yeah. such an interesting time for me. I, I got accepted into grad school as a painter. There was 13 people in the painting department. But again, I mentioned there was a teacher who was a feminist in the photo department and you know, I got really involved in photography and I, I and feminism. And um, you know, I went to school in UMass Amherst, but I lived in Northampton, Massachusetts, where Smith College was. Mm-hmm. Smith College is, you know, basically an all women's school, and Northampton was, you know, strong women. So my first year of grad school, I was painting all these paintings of very strong women with, you know, big knives and <laughs> okay. I mean. Just, you know, yeah, and, the, and and just women kind of together, kind of like a world like separate from mm-hmm. men in general. I was taking a, a feminist art history class, and and then I there was a guy who was also in the painting department, and he was doing these huge drawings of himself in dresses. Oh wow! And at the time, it was kind of wild, you know. And so we started, we both started taking photography, and we got talking and we decided to do work together and we were like, it was all about like gender fluidity. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. did this, our whole thesis we did together was very much about that and it seemed very early for the time. You know, I was dressed completely, we just were basically switching roles, you know. We lived together and we did this whole photo series of our home life and we were we would kind of basically switch the gender roles, yeah. you know. And, and at that time I was wearing all men's clothes, I cut my hair really short mm-hmm. and he would wear dresses and all the photos we took of him he'd be naked with flowers all over him we were like ch- trying to change that 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 you know the male gaze yeah. like like how, how, how does a woman like you know make the man an object in the same way so we were switch we were playing with all of that and i loved that it was amazing wow. um, you know after grad school we broke up and so I continued a little bit with that, but it, it felt very grad school after a while. Like I got, I got enough distance from it and I yeah. realized, you know, I'm really a painter and that's where really my interests lied because for those few years I stopped painting completely. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I went back to painting and when I went back, I was doing work about women still. Um, and then I, I met Leon. I fell in love. There were some pieces about love yeah um yeah and and there was just a lot of movement at that time so i i also am working i felt like my art i'm very consistent in creating my work but i found that having to make a living interrupted my work a lot and and that also had something to do with me changing so often Mm. you know even because you couldn't be consistent you can't be consistent and i mean i was working like you know maybe not daily but you know Yeah, you know, every t- chance I got. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, when you go away for even three days from your studio, you come back, you're a different person. Yeah. You know, so I was changing a lot during that period. I was went through the realism. I did a, when I first got to Austin. I did all 
all these penis paintings. Okay. Yeah, and that was kind of, I had started doing like erotica, painting erotica, which was a part of what I was doing in grad school. I, I got interested in, you know, taking control of pornography and the mm-hmm. images of women for myself. Mm. Um, and so, and then also like I was photographing and painting like men jerking off, things yeah. like that. Um, I, I wanted that control that I felt like oh, wow. men had. Like so, that's where that whole erotic series, the okay. penis paintings. Which a lot of my old friends know the penis. They yeah, still have know, some of those. Oh yeah, they were fun. They had polka dots, <laughs> and, and the research was super fun. I yeah, had to yeah. go buy all these magazines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, it was a really fun time in my life, but. I guess after a while, um, oh, well, then I, you know, off the cuff, I just did this uh, painting of some berries, and everybody seemed to love it, and Davis Gallery, or which is then the Terrytown Gallery, yeah. rep- would represent me if I did more of these berry paintings, so I did a whole show of, like, these fruits and berries, and I sold out. Oh, wow. It was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, and this is like, okay. So I did, like, another show, and it did really well, too, but after that, I was like, okay, e- even though this is, I can't, this is not really where my interest yeah, yeah, lies. Yeah. It's not... So I moved through that. And it's quite a shift from erotica to just fruit. Well, not really, because the fruit is the, like, you know, is the okay. reason, it's like that's in, in nature. Yeah. It's sex, right? Oh, yes, it's a, yes, yeah, uh-huh. yes. So it was not that big of a leap. It, like, I was working in my garden and seeing how that all worked, you know, in your garden with the flowers like and the Like the botanical. Uh-huh, yeah. That's just nature. That's just mm-hmm. the cycle of life. And so, yes, but in a way, yes, it is. But the interconnectedness of everything, kind of in a way. And that's always, and when I I look back on my whole thing, interconnectedness is one theme that is throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So you were doing well with the Terrytown Gallery or Davis Gallery with this work, and the, but you weren't right. really, maybe your heart wasn't in it after a, a minute. After a while, yeah. I was able to sell that work, but it really wasn't where I wanted to be within the history of art. Yeah. You know. Um, and you were shooting weddings at this time. Or I was. Yeah. A lot of weddings. A lot of weddings. Uh-huh. Like 50 plus a year. I think we so. did that for 15, 20 years and that one year in the year 2000 I shot 72 weddings whoa yeah it wasn't crazy and um you know that's intense I did I did it and I I made my money (laughs) and I got out (laughs) you know yeah I think I had read somewhere Mm -hmm. you said by age 50 you were like I'm gonna be a a full-time artist I had a goal yeah anything else Mm -hmm. and I had a goal and so so right a a little bit before that uh, we were living in this we're in the Boulder Creek neighborhood in Austin and we had bought a house um, you know I guess it's almost 25 years ago now Mm. and um, yeah that's a whole other story but we bought this second house that's bigger and gave us opportunity to have rental property and that was helping that shift because I knew by the time I was 50 I was out of that yeah photography business and there had to be um, another way to support yourself yes and so right so we're like okay we need to figure something out just lucky for us and not for many other people the economy crashed and the house that we're currently living in became available and it was cheap yeah and we were able to like switch houses over here and get a rental going and and that kind of eased that transition away from photography. Yeah, you guys have built a pretty awesome life, I think. Um, I like with it. With a lot of freedom. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. It's really inspiring, actually. Yeah. Thanks. As a model, I think. Thanks. Um, so as far as chronology goes, like, what would come after, like, kind of the berries and the fruit and... 
So I think the mandalas. Okay. Uh huh. So I think you had a quote there about how like my life kind of the things that are going on with me end up in my work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so right in the year two thousand, I started practicing yoga. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Before that, I, I've always been a very physical person, and I was going to a gym and um, just took a yoga class. Didn't really know a lot about it. It was just starting to kind of hit you know, the States at the yeah, point. And yeah. so took a class, immediately fell in love with oh. with yoga. And it really kind of, um, it took, if I wasn't married, I, I would, I would be wearing white and, <laughs> <laughs> and living. Yeah. I, I think I would have gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, but how I was able to bring it into my life was to start creating those mandalas. Mm-hmm. And that was a way that kind of, connected what my painting was doing to what I was going through learning yoga and we're not just talking about like learning like the movements the asanas we're talking about the whole yoga in your life is you know Mm. meditating and and, you know so it changed your life it changed my life it really did okay you know I I was raised Jewish not not a Jewish you know uh, Mm -hmm. I always say in that it was ish part was heavy on the ish part uh (laughs) So, but I really never had any spirituality in my life. And so it was big. It was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, And again, though, I was making those mandalas during a time where I was working a lot with the photography. And so they were very sporadic. And um, maybe describe what, what is a mandala? A mandala for me, you know, I've, I've heard different, I've heard people pronounce it differently. A mandala for me was a place where I can set my focus, a place that was safe, Hmm. um, a place to meditate and explore my thoughts or it, any intention that I put towards it. So we can, I've done mandalas as commissions and then I would explore, like somebody said, can you make a mandala for me and my wife? And I was like, okay. And you know, these are friends. So I knew something about them. So while I was creating that mandala, I would think about them hmm. and what I knew of their relationship and what they told me and, you know, the things that meant something to them. And I would put that in there. Yeah. So it's a place for intention to place your, your focus and your intention. Yeah. Isn't that, I mean, could you not say that about any artwork that you do? Certainly, (laughs) yeah. But it's a little bit more Uh literal and visually literal. Yeah, it is. It it comes with the whole history of mandalas, right? So, And there's like symbols, and I know some of them had like birds and... Yeah, then I got involved in bird watching. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget the one day I woke up to my... In my yard, I'm like, oh, look at all the birds. Like, I had never really paid attention before. And then once I started noticing the birds, I was like, there's a lot of different birds. And then once you get start getting going down yeah. that path, it's obsessive. You I know? love birding. Yeah, birding love is birds. amazing. I got the binoculars. I was constantly in search of the new bird. And so, of course, yeah. they showed up in my paintings. And... Um, you know, but that was all, it, it, it also must, it happened after 9-11, everybody put a bird on it, you know, it was, I think it was a, a, something that kind of, through society, it kind of made a wave, you know, I'm talking about put a bird on it from Portlandia. Yeah. I think everybody was like all of a sudden into birds after 9-11. I'm not uh-huh. sure what that symbol meant to people at that time, exactly, some sort of freedom or. Yeah, I was just going to say. You know, peace or beauty or escape. I'm not sure exactly. Wildness or... Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so... Um, hmm. And the mandalas to interconnectedness, right? They, they, they talk about the interconnectedness of all things. They, yeah. You know, one dot you know, leads to the next dot, leads to the next dot. Because um, yeah, I, ma- I made them out of dots, right? Yeah, I was going to say, I, talk about that practice. That's a meditative right? practice. That's a meditative practice. 
And I'm not exactly sure what made me start the dots. I guess it was just a way to build these mandalas. You know, you start with the center point and you work your way out. Mm. So dots made sense. And then I got a little obsessive about it. And the, what I call the transformation paintings, which were not mandalas anymore. They weren't circular. They were vertical. And yeah. um, they would go from, like, say, blue to orange. And they would, little by little, I would start at the blue and start adding the orange in and mm-hmm. just make my way to only orange. I always picked two opposite colors in black and white. Yeah. Yeah, so those were all made up of little dots. And at that time was when I was able to quit my job, my okay. day job. And work full time, and I that series I felt like I was f- the first time I was able to to really come into the studio every day since grad school, you know, yeah, like come in every day and and paint, and um, I had a lot of time, and I was willing to go slow, and those yeah. paintings were super slow, and took just a, a ton of focus, and yeah. it was it was enjoyable. I feel like really are, enjoyable. are you not the type of artist that could just be in your studio all the time, just I, working? Yeah, <laughs> I could do that. Yeah, uh, and yeah, that's why I have Leon. Yeah, because he pulls you <laughs> he out. He pulls into the me world. out. He's like, all right, come on. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I wanted to touch on something you mentioned a minute ago is color. I don't mm-hmm. know if it'd be a good time to talk about color because you were talking yeah. about color. That's a big topic. Okay, but um, did you? But you know, so. I went through, I've been through many phases with color in my work. When I was doing those botanicals and working very realistic from life, I would work with a full palette. That's when I would work with those color charts to kind of match color. To recreate it. Recreate exactly. color. So okay. like, wow. you know, I would, was very involved in how do you get that mm. exact color by mixing this and that and how do you know, this translucent color over opaque colors and glazes. Wow. And, yeah, that was fun. It's and like again, building so, your skills. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and they, they really did help build my skills. And I mean, yeah, as a painter, you you know you want to master the medium of paint. And mm. I feel like through moving through all the different ways of painting, I've learned how to move paint, how to apply paint in so many different ways. I feel I feel very intimate to it. I, I have no fear of paint. You know, yeah. it's like I know you. Yeah. Know? Wow. Yeah. And uh, so, and then I by the time I was moved to the transformations, I I limited my palette a lot. Um, and to this work too, very limited palette. The most I'm using is two colors plus black and white. I think I've, I found a quote that I think came out of the time when you were doing the transformations and you said something about how, um, I believe with my painting, I have always put the work first. I paint because I love the act of painting. The work of painting has always been a priority in my life. Cause you were talking about how you, you started out doing this painting flat on a table. And then when you put it up on the wall, you would would have added lines but then you realized that you actually liked it the way it was and you were kind of sad that it was already finished yeah <laughs> yeah uh, i thought that was kind of right. interesting yeah it's like you just love it so much i do i like i like i like working <laughs> I do, yeah 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 it, it, it yeah like you want to keep going and 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 then oh we have to start something new which is harder than just working on what you're working on right it's yeah. always hard to start something new yeah, but yeah. um yeah i i've i've always enjoyed work mm-hmm. um Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe if we could just back up a little bit and you could talk about like moving to Austin and kind of what it was like when you moved here and how it's changed or right. just kind of thoughts about yeah. Austin. Leon and I moved here from New York City in 1993 um, on, a, on a, not a whim, pretty much. We wanted to get out of the city for a number of reasons. And Leon had heard a band 
uh, that he liked the Reavers and that they still play here. Uh, um, And we decided to do it. Sight unseen, we just came and immediately I fell in love. I mean, I had moved around when I graduated high school when I was 18. The next day I left and I had, you know, wow. consistently moved, <laughs> yeah, moved every two years since then. Wow. Yeah. So we got to, you know, Austin, I was about mm, 30 and we just fell in love. I mean, I mean, pretty quickly yeah. fell in love. It was just an easy place to be. Anything I wanted to do, I could do. I got a teaching job at ACC. I got gallery representation. I had a, you know, I got a studio that I could afford. Um, I worked was working with a photographer, so I had a pretty good paying job. It was a really wonderful place to be. Mm. And um, we moved into this Bolden Creek neighborhood back then. And all our neighbors were, we had uh, musicians and jewelry makers and film editors and so yeah. many artists it was and you know and everything was pretty relaxed right everybody yeah. was cool and chill and it was all good i mean there wasn't a lot going on in the visual arts but enough to keep mm-hmm. me interested i'd have to say that you know today's austin offers us a lot more yeah um and better artists uh but i do miss how um just simple simple it was yeah yeah, yeah. no mm-hmm. traffic Right. And just the big wide open spaces, like, you know, I had a great studio over by the railroad tracks, which is now some big building. Okay. And all the cool music venues that were downtown back then are all gone. And just going to those places and meeting people and, you know, you could just wander around and there was so much open space and it was lovely. So did you go through kind of a disgruntled period, but now you're maybe more excited <laughs> about it I think a lot now, of us or? have done that, right? But we're just kind of more like accepting yeah. and trying to find what's good, trying to find the good in it, you know? Yeah. And there's still a lot of opportunities here. There's still, oh, it's great. And I, I'm not in a place, I'm in a great now, you know, why would I leave now kind of thing was one of my friends said to me, because I was like, he was like, I was thinking moving and he was like, why would you do that? Like, you seem to be well known and opportunities are open to you. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, so, um, but it's hard to live here now. Cost of living is it's expensive. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what, if we stay or not. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We haven't. Have we covered your whole? Have we covered the whole thing? Not your whole. Right. Surely yeah. we haven't covered uh-huh. your whole. Uh, well, you were asking earlier about like that. I started with abstraction. You said so, yeah, some yeah, quote yeah. where I started with abstraction, but made my way back to it. Yeah. And I guess that was like an undergraduate school that I was. I I uh, did my first couple of years at Parsons School of Design. You know, after being in New York City for uh, two and a half years, I decided I wanted to live in nature and uh, moved up to the University of New Hampshire and but came to the University of New Hampshire which uh, was a very uh, conservative school especially in the art department it was very realist and landscape painters and things yeah. like that I was just like crazy wild New York artist I was you know, <laughs> in their opinion yeah, you know? right. I, I don't think I was but uh, <laughs> but was painting abstractly um, so that so then it is funny that I've kind of made yeah. my way back th- you know, to it. I just guess I've never been afraid of changing. I, I just guess I just enjoy a challenge and, uh, and a new way to express myself. Yeah. But I'll be interested to see now that I do have a more regular studio practice, if I'll be able to stay, you know, or I'm not able to stay, if I will stay with the, the same, you know, 
type of painting for longer periods of time. Mm-hmm. That will be interesting to me to, to see. And one of the things I read online, you were talking about how there are no mistakes. You just keep working. Yeah. I, I think I've heard that before on other interviews that yeah. you've done that. Yeah. You know, just, you don't have any fear about you no know, fear. You can't just, fear. Like, yeah, there's no fear anymore. Or, you know, it's just like you make a mistake. Okay. That one sucks. All right. Next one, you know, or how do I make this better? Or you just have to keep going, you know, and sometimes the mistakes are the best part, you know? Yeah. And with this new work, I've, um, it's, it's so coming off of the dot paintings, which yeah. were really, really slow right. and time consuming. This new work, which I kind of needed to switch because I was, my hands were hurting so much, kind of mm. solved that problem, but I was having some hard times with my hands yeah, such for those long hours, work. right? Yeah. yeah. So this new work is much, the actual time that my, you know, we'll say brush, even though I'm not really painting with brushes anymore, is on the surface is so minimal yeah. and a lot of it's looking. So I'm really trying to pay attention as I work through an idea, because there's moments that are happening when you're on your way someplace that are quite beautiful that we often mm. miss because we're, we're already on our way. Like you already have your mind set on this yeah. thing and you're missing all the, you know, you're forgetting to pay attention to where you are at that moment. <laughs> so this work is a lot. I go really slow when I'm working and take a lot of time to look. Mm. Um, I, I spend a lot of time looking at this work and um and yeah and and very often will change my idea because I want to leave something that I was about to paint over or yeah. you know just about to move on to the next step but um, you do start with like you do have like a sketchbook and you do pencil studies right yeah I do so for this new work um we'll call it the journeying series I start with some sketches in a you know sketchbook uh, work through a bunch of those. From there, I make what I call studies, which are small, like 22 by 22 pieces on you know just loose paper. Mm-hmm. And I'll go through a whole bunch of those until I find the one, you know, all the variations in the studies till I find the one that says, yes, this yeah. one's... Because th- there's so few elements in these paintings that they kind of have to be, you know, in my mind, kind of perfect to speak in the way, in the language that I want, you know, I want them to say a certain thing. There's no like clear, I want this to say, but I know when it's right. And I know when it's speaking to me clearly, if that may. And I I think it's, I can't back that up. Like, I can't say like, this says this, but it, it hits this sweet spot where other people viewing it too they're like oh yeah like and they have their own idea i like that i mean this work is meant for people to come to it and bring their own ideas it's not like here's a picture of a berry this is a you know a berry this work is meant to like what do you see in it what are you bringing to it um and and then the work is meant to talk back to you if you live with it i'm gonna live with my work so I think I wrote a quote about, you know, it talks to me, it, you know, it, it whispers answers. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah that's, um, I hope that this, the, I, I never want my work to be so wrapped up in me. Like, um, maybe as somebody who practices yoga and like, I'm always trying to kind of control my ego a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't want, I, I think that when they really succeed, they, they're beyond me and, okay. and, and they're more universal. Uh, that they speak to the human experience, you know. Is it is it a way of like channeling some kind of knowing beyond us that's kind of like this universal 
knowing or information. Yeah, not to something. sound too woo, but yes, yeah, yeah. sometimes channeling is a word that you know I've used because you know it, the work's intuitive, and if if you tune in and um, try to quiet my mind, and that I turn off the part that's saying no, yes, good, bad, and just work, then I, I feel like if, if I could get to that place, then it, it's just about being human. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Where do you, I mean, like when you're living with these pieces and you're working on them and you're trying to patiently go small step at a time mm-hmm. and then you kind of come upon something that speaks to you. I mean, what does that feel like? What is that? Where do you think that information comes from? What is that? What is that moment that says like, ah, this is it. I found this. It's right. I've been a painter a long time. I'm a visual person. I I see things, you know, I'm all about the visual sometimes to my detriment. So I I carry all that history with me. So so when I get to that point where it feels right, some of it's just like visually the shapes are working within that space. Um, it's a mystery. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it, a, I think, yeah, why we make art. It's a, it's a mystery. I, I sometimes it's, you know, I try, I try to like tamp down my ego a little bit because painting is, it can be so ego driven, mm. but you know, it, and like, who's it for? Like, yeah. So I hope that, you know, my, my greatest hope is that it will bring beauty into, into people's lives. You know, for my work, I hope that if somebody lives with it, it will bring calm to them, mm. a place where they can meditate, a place that they can reflect on themselves daily and, and, and see where things are changing. This new work has a lot to do with balance. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh-huh, the sure. balance and interconnectedness, the, those two things there. It's like I'm realizing more and more like it's all just a big balancing act, uh, you know, the whole world and, and, you know, the science of things. Like, yeah, I was watching this science special on Netflix. It was all, you know, about the earth and how, the, what they came out with at the end of the show was, it's all about balance. We, you know, need yeah. the, earth, the ocean to do this. So this does this. So this does this. It's all connected and it's all a balancing act. You yeah. throw something out of whack and the whole thing could come tumbling down. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like, you know, any one life is like that too. It's like you have to take care of yourself Otherwise, you know, say you drink too much coffee, you know, and eventually you're going to get out of whack. You know, so you kind of have to balance your health and your your daily life and everything. Mm -hmm. It's just a bit of a balancing act to stay, uh, you know, upright and healthy and maintain. Um, Sometimes I feel like my work is a little too uh, always ends up in this happy place. But I I realized I visited my folks recently. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm just that person. You know, I came from (laughs) I came from a happy place, you know. Yeah. I'm just that, you know. I think this is actually the quote you were referring to <laughs> yeah. earlier uh, from the... Uh from the, the journeying uh, uh, from the uh, artist statement from the journeying show for prizer i find that when living with these paintings that they quietly support bring joy they whisper answers to questions they listen as well as speak these paintings seep in and serve as a quiet companion and that's a balance to kind of like the hectic world and staring at your phone all day and mm-hmm. it's like this joyful quiet balance yeah uh, or yeah yeah it's in direct op- i think i said er- earlier in that statement yeah. i said these works are in direct opposition yeah to yeah the, yeah right mm-hmm, to the fast pace and visually overloaded times they were created in the simple shapes and limited palette require the viewer to bring their own dialogue and experiences to the viewing mm-hmm. yeah well i wanted to just back up one second and see if it would uh, if we should talk about the digging for emptiness series at all because we 
jumped over that. Right. Maybe could we talk about that little yeah, that that's, a, that's a, a, a uh, transition yeah. uh-huh. phase, I guess. Right. Um, digging for emptiness. The title comes from emptiness. This idea of a, is a Buddhist philosophy of emptiness. Um, let me see. I'll try to get this right. Yeah. But um, not that in like the negative sense that things are empty, but in the full sense of emptiness, that things don't have value. We put that value on things. Right. Um, Things are just what they are. And, you know, we say that, you know, this pair of pants is worth $500, right? But really, they just... So um, I'm digging for that place where things have are free of judgment and value, uh, a place of emptiness where we can just be. A teacher of that Buddhist philosophy could probably explain it better than yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. But, I, but, no, I but when I was working on that series, and that, that series... Um, uh, came after the dot paintings uh, yeah. the, and I was um, gonna, I wanted to work on paper I wanted to work faster so I found this oil paper which I was very excited about just to be we're talking about uh, maybe tech geeks yeah. this oil paper was incredible for an oil painter because you don't have to gesso it or anything and it has like uh, arches uh, like watercolor paper so it's beautiful paper and mm-hmm. so you can work on it directly and that was a finding that was woohoo yeah, yeah. very excited and I um <laughs> Started working with masking tape. I remember I spent a summer in Asheville. I I have a place in Asheville that I spent some time in. And I was just, you know, like, okay, I'm going to work with paper and let's see. And I just started from ground zero there. And it just kind of, I, for like two months, I made really bad work. I just kept at it though. I just kept at it. Just like, what am I doing? I don't know. Why am I doing it? I don't know. But let's just keep going. Like every day I would try something new and I just... I, I kind of wanted it to be, I just didn't know what I wanted. And it'll eventually a couple of things started to stick. And I'm like, oh, that's huh. cool. Oh, I like that. And I just worked, started working on these pieces. I guess what happened was that eventually I needed to narrow down my scope. So instead of just like leaving it all open, like oh, I could splatter paint, I could squeegee paint, I could brush it on. I kind of said, okay, I'm going to work with four-sided shapes. And I'm not sure what... I made a couple and I liked them. And so, and you can build with them. And so I started just working with four-sided shapes and I was digging. I felt like I was just, I wanted, I was just working and working. Mm. I mean, I have a stack of these things. I did so many of them that work just, I was trying to get to this place where there, it was not good or bad. It was just the work. And, and the more you do something, the better you get at it. So some yeah. of them were awesome. They came out great. And again, what, what is it that makes one good and one bad? I can't really tell you, but pretty much we all know when you get to a good one. Yeah. I mean, people often disagree with me, like my favorites are not theirs, but yeah. in general, we know when we got, you know, got to a good place with the work. And how are you not throughout this like two months of perseverance, just not judging yourself or being hard on yourself or kind of like wanting to give up? I mean, do you go through all that too? Or Not anymore. No. I mean, maybe I used to, I, I, you know, I was 11. I said I was going to be an artist. That's just part of the process. You know? It's like you have to make bad work sometimes. Yeah. It's just, it's part of the deal. You know, if you're not willing to make bad art, then you're not willing to take chances. You have to, you have to make some bad art to get mm-hmm. to the good stuff. It, it's just part of it. Yeah. So yeah. you started working with these four sided shapes. And so what, mm-hmm. what, what did that work kind of become? Like what, how would you describe it? Well, first it, they, it, they became like, uh, DNA strands or staircases. They talked a lot. They felt like they were about 
time passing and the interconnectedness of things, how one thing leads to the next. Then they started, they were very much like strands at that point. And then they started to congeal and become mm. shapes. And um, a lot of people said they started to look like turtle shells. I ended up calling them uh, hearts and shields because to me, they started looking very male, female, mm. and which started talking to me about gender fluidity again. And when I brought that up to like Leon, he's like, that seemed too far fetched for this work. But to me, they did. They like, you know, the hearts and the shields, like, you know, one felt male, one felt female, but all the different variations in between. Some of them Mm -hmm. had a little bit of both. And looking back on that work, I see a few pieces that I really like, but most of it seemed a little muddy to me. Hmm. Um, and then that's why when I moved forward, I, I cleaned it up a lot. I left a lot of it out. Hmm. Um, that digging, I was digging, you know, it came, it kind of made a lot of a mess. Like yeah. I, it, it felt like almost, I was furiously digging. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. um, so that series wasn't necessarily the thing that was like a transitional. I felt series. like, like there was a few pieces at the beginning that were beautiful. The strands, um, really beautiful came out. Just like I liked them. But then when they, I got more involved in it, they got a little thick. Yeah. Um, but still, you were willing to show that work, right? I mean, I was because you can't always see your work right up front, right? I'm, I'm talking about work I did two years ago. I can see it so much more clearly now than yeah. I did then. I, I don't feel like when I'm making work, I see it all that clearly. Enough to make it and make decisions but not enough to really know if it's any good or if it's clear mm. or those kind of ideas, you know, later on, you, you're able to see it a little more clearly. Yeah. But even and, like with the current work, do you have any hesitation with having a show with this work? No. I mean, no. If somebody's okay. willing to show it, I'll show it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. Even though you yeah, don't even uh-huh. know, like in two years, you might not like it or something. Yeah, it's a risk you take, right? <laughs> it's a risk you take. I mean, I wish I was a little bit, you know, Agnes Martin, the painter. Yeah. She, you know, she was a, a harsh editor of her own work. And I wish I was a little bit more like that. Sometimes I try to be. Yeah. I have at least trying to do that like with my website lately and even my Instagram feed. I've been going back and pulling a lot off and narrowing it down. More for my own yeah helping yeah. myself see clearly yeah yeah so. it's like, yeah what are you wanting to share with people mm-hmm. about what you're doing yeah. yeah yeah i mean your website seemed pretty tight the edit oh good you, you must have saw it recently I went, yeah, <laughs> the other day yeah there you go good i went in and cleaned it up yeah, I, it i'm constantly good. changing it and rearranging it and yeah yeah, especially the, uh, whatever, the older selections kind of... Yeah, the history. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, I wish I could go back and I probably, I can get, you know, slides. You know, mm. so much of my early work is on slides oh, and I would wow. have to go back and find them and dig... I mean, I know where they are, but it's like Scan to get them, them scanned and, yeah. and all that. And I did that with a couple of them. The quality was so bad. Um, but it would be fun to have like some good quality images from back in the day. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Could you speak to the fact that you have an actual, like a gallery here in your studio? Yeah. And you've had that since 2012. And so maybe talk about having a gallery, why you chose to do that, and just like curation and exposing people to work that they normally probably wouldn't see. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when we bought this place in 2009, um, we knew that we wanted to perhaps set up like a gallery-like setting. Uh, We didn't really understand what that was going to look like, but we created the space so it would read 
gallery Mm -hmm. and um, got in here, started working and then decided that we, there were artists out there that we felt weren't getting represented. There's not a lot of galleries in Austin. There's a few, so they couldn't cover everybody. And some of the work that we, you know, maybe they're just underrepresented. Um, back in the day, uh, there was a gallery called the Alternate Current Gallery. This is probably 1990. We showed up in 93. So the Alternate Current Gallery run by Susan Maynard and David Lee Pratt. It was mm. on South First. And they lived in that space and they ran a gallery out of it. So that was the nice. model in which we based Black Box Gallery. Gallery. Yeah. Um, so we just wanted to have shows with people whose work that we liked that we didn't see was showing anyplace else. Yeah. And also people that were kind of just starting and then others that we felt like, like our friend Gable Karsten, one of the last shows we had. Yeah, was a good you know, one. She, yeah, she was great. And she was showing a ton and then she had kids and I felt like, okay, let's get her back, you know, and maybe, you know, get her start showing again yeah. in Austin. So, and then also, you know, for selfish reasons, when we show people here, we get to work with these other artists and watch their process. And I learned so much from just, mm. you know, being involved in that. And I really enjoy that. We get to do studio visits and engage, in, you know. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's really a great, you know, because it's in our space and because we rent our space as an Airbnb as well, not this particular, we have limited time and space in which we can. So we only do about two shows a year. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be great to be able to have a dedicated gallery space, but I don't think we could uh, financially afford that. But um, it's, yeah, being, you know, curating and and running the gallery has been wonderful. It gives back. I mean, I feel like we're giving, but we get so much back from it. Yeah. It's it's an incredible experience. Nice. Yeah. Well, what are you... I didn't mention that this, uh, so work Prizer Gallery, it's going to open soon, right? March 15th. Yeah. Um, the work from that show, um, a few of my influences, which I didn't mention, was um, Indian art of the Northwest. Hmm. Leon and I had done a road trip a couple of times now. We went up in that direction. And that work, and you people could like just Google that Indian art of the Northwest, and you'll see this. I love that work. It's hard-edged. Hmm. And it has, um, I'm calling some of this shape a canoe shape. Even though it's not necessarily a canoe in their work, it they you'll see that canoe shape or that curved. It's just for me such a calm image that feels like you're being held, but it also does feel like like you're going down a, you know a smooth river on a canoe. Journeying, or, right? You're journeying, and that's what <laughs> you know, it's like. These these pieces definitely felt about like you're moving forward. You're you're in a slow way, and, mm. and they had something to do with the current you know craziness of the United States. And like you know, this first piece was very off kilter, and uh, you know, I felt like whoa, whoa and how, how do I find myself in balance within the crazy times that we live in? Right. So yeah. I was like, so you know, the, those deep dark blacks are purposely deep and dark and black, you know, yeah. and then they kind of rise up to a, uh, to a sun that maybe, um, I don't want to call it a sun, but I think it is, you know, that brightness and, you know, feeling good again. Yeah. So what is, what is coming out of you right now in this work? Like, what are you thinking about? What are you feeling? Like how, you know what I mean? That's yeah. manifesting in this work. Yeah, it, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find my balance. You know, I, again, I'm, I'm still digging for emptiness, but um, I'm, I'm just I'm also trying to find my own balance and 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 just trying to be in a, a calm place within the madness of the world. Uh, it's, it just seems very crazy right now, and I do feel like the more calm I can be, the better I am to everything to myself yeah. and 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 others. And um, and if I could put out good energy, 
you know, maybe it can counteract the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, that's where I'm, you know, what I'm trying to, you know, I, I do want to offer up meditation to people, you know, I, I do mm-hmm. want to offer them that place. Respite is a word that we came up with the other day when mm-hmm. I was looking for words, uh, a, a respite. That the, the, the work can be a place that you can come and s- sit with and be calm with. Yeah. You know, it can offer hope. Maybe not even a hope. grounding. Because I decided hope can be oh, so... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hope. Oh. <laughs> 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 but, you know, it can be grounding. It can... But uh, journeying. So it's like, uh, yeah, we're, we're moving forward. We're, we're, we're move, we are... It's constantly changing. And that's Okay. You know, living in Austin, I think, too, is a lot of people are like a little freaked out about how quickly things are changing and how yeah. do you manage that change, that quick change. You think you got your footing and then, you know, so I think that part of these are like, okay, you were moving along and you're constantly micro-adjusting to to stay calm and balanced, you know. And finding uh, a place of acceptance, maybe, or not having strict expectations helps, right. too. I think. Yeah, no expectations probably better, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and having intentions no and yeah. goals, but not really expectations, maybe. Mm. Mm-hmm. What kind of intentions and goals do you feel like you have right now in your life? Balance. I mean, yeah, really, that's, I have very okay. simple yeah. intentions and goals. I mean, finding balance and, and calm, finding places of joy, and uh, and beauty i you know don't have you know big goals like as far as like career mm-hmm. um i just want to keep making the work i want to you know enjoy my friends i want to enjoy what they're doing i want to enjoy my husband i want to enjoy the world i want to travel some more and yeah you know? Yeah. yeah, maybe back to the influences potentially. If you had more, Did, mm. didn't you have another list? You had a list of more than one, or was it just oh. the north? Well, yeah. Oh, and then like you know the the hard edge painters that come out of California from like the nineteen fifties and sixties. Frederick Hammersley. Oh. I think I'm saying his name wrong. Probably Hammersley. Um, they they go back and look at some of their work. It's really uh, just you know these hard edge painters that came, you know that they were like the first kind of people to work like that. Um, mm. I'm all excited. I'm going to see the Hilma Off Clint exhibit at the Guggenheim in April. I'm going yeah, to go see her. Yeah, that. so I'm really excited to see that. A number of people have texted me and said, "You need to see this show." So I'm hoping that uh, there's something there for me. And uh, you know, people like Ellsworth Kelly, of course, he's been big here in Austin lately since he's did that chapel. I've seen yeah. a lot of his work. He's been an influence. Just um, of Rosco, that mm. that quote that. Oh, yeah. From Rothko quote that I, I don't remember writing, but I did. You found it on my blog. Um, that yeah, was I could, perfect. I could read this. Yeah. Um, this is from Mark Rothko, a biography by James Breslin. Uh, and this is, yeah, I found this on your blog and I thought it was, this is like from four or five years ago. And I was like, oh, this seems like it's about right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rothko's mature format with two or three stacked rectangles offered an image that was simple, symmetrical, frontal, and given large size, monumental. Repeating this format over a long period of time established a recognizable image, which eventually helped dealers market Rothko's work. More important, his chosen format also gave the restless Rothko a desired regularity, a scaffolding, to use a metaphor of of his in the scribble book, which relieved him from having to invent composition all over again with each painting. Mm -hmm. Working with a repeated form enabled Rothko to call attention to the way subtle variations affect feeling. Yeah, I think that first part, it was two or three stacked rectangles. 
you know, th- that, I was like, whoa. Like they, when you read that earlier, <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, because these pieces seem they're stacked, you know? Yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't remember writing that quote <laughs> down in my blog, but yeah, I, I guess it stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's so interesting. Yeah. kind of reminds me of um, a recent interview that I did with Koichi uh, Yamamoto. He was saying how he keeps the these... The ceramic ske- guy. Yeah. Yeah. And the printer. Oh, and a printer, right, yeah. yes. And he keeps these sketchbooks. He's had them for decades, and mm-hmm. then he'll just go back and revisit them, and he'll sometimes he'll find good ideas in there that he hasn't developed. And right. So, it's yeah, it seems like there's probably been themes and ideas that you've been developing for decades that have just keep emerging. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I definitely go back, and, you know, there's always stuff that follows through. Yeah. You know, is with you. Because I think, you know, as much as I like to think I'm my own person and that I'm I'm very much who I am, like from the start, you know, growing up with my parents, with my family, you know, like I see my sister sometimes and I'm like, and we interact and I'm like, oh, I'm so much like her. You know, it's like, it's like, I think I'm this individual and I have control over my own life, but really (laughs) we are these, we, we are these people that you know, that was first four years of your life, right? Like that, you, know, you are that. Yeah, like, so formative. Yeah, yeah. yeah like I, you know, sometimes I try to break out of that. Yeah, I was going to say, do you fight that? Sometimes do I do, you know? <laughs> I, I think I do. Like, you know, maybe when I was doing that erotic work, yes, it's a part of me, but it felt more of a stretch, you know? And, you know, painting flowers that so my mom, you know, she, mm. till this day she tells me she wants me to paint flowers. So I work against that. But you know, basically, I'm a I'm a very happy, well-adjusted person. Yeah, you know, working towards being being the most realized version of yourself, maybe. Yeah, right. Exactly. And probably getting maybe or there or closer to, than you've ever been. I would think. Yeah, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe I'm making more of this than it is a thing, but I just I feel like I talk to a lot of artists about the idea of being a full time artist or having a job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, it seems like from some of the things that I'd read uh, that you'd said online, it seems like you're a big fan now of doing whatever it takes to be full time so that you can, like you said, focus on your work and be consistent. And and then there's also the aspect of not necessarily being motivated by money to do the work that mm-hmm. I, I think probably can affect it. And and just like you'd also mentioned, you know, just not having a job, it's like waking up. You said you had gotten really good at kind of being able to wake up and decide what to do. Mm-hmm. There's like that freedom. I don't know right. if that's too much to start with, but just like, can you talk about yeah, any of that? I mean, you know, this idea of, um, I've, I've struggled with the question of like, whether or not when I was younger, if I should have not started doing this photography business and just focused on my art at that point you know um but going back to the fact you are you are i came from a family where that was not an option for me you know uh getting into debt was not an option you know uh, my you know my parents you know you you have to make money you have to pay your bills you you can't you know debt was just not an option so Mm -hmm. i had to um security was important to me yeah and I, I would have loved to have not been that person at times and just said you know I'm gonna go full force into my art and not care about the money and all of that but that's just not who I was and yeah. I would I, I would have loved to so I but in the end you know I've managed to you know I was also very good at saving money um, because I knew that at some point with that with the photography business, I knew I wasn't going to be doing it for that long. I I, I just was like, I'm just going to save as much as I can and then yeah, quit, you know, and have this money. And um, 
because it's really important to be a full-time artist if you're really gonna make the work yeah. um, and, and have a clear vision and make good work. I think it's important. So, yeah. um, I, and I do like now that I do not depend on it to make money. I, you know, have that kind of more or less figured out. Yeah. Um, I'm not, I don't mean to sound like I have, you know, but all the yeah. money in the world, but enough to kind of, right. that I don't have to make the money. Um, although, if, and I, so this is where I get into stuff. So, but it does feel good to sell work, you yeah. know? And so I go back and forth with that. I kind of wish there was a model that I could follow where I made work and I just, put it out the door, made work, just throw it out the door and not have that yeah, like yeah. need to sell it. Um, I'm not sure what that's all about. Mm-hmm. Um, but that definitely doesn't motivate you when you're making the work. You're not thinking at all about like what will sell. Yeah. No, 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 I'm not. And maybe that's to my detriment, but, um, I just make what mm. I need to make at the time. Yeah. And, uh, so it's and, more, a, more of a pure process, I guess. I don't I, know. I, I guess that's like a judgment maybe, but I don't know. It feels, in a way, yeah. I mean, I, I kind of do feel like, <sighs> hmm. It's touchy, though. I just feel like talking about this because it's like some people that literally could not be a full-time artist because of where they are in their life. They have a family. They have kids. And they just have to do it on their on their spare time. Right. And that's enough. And it's like you wouldn't want to say either go all in or quit either. No. You know oh, what I mean? God. Yeah, I would never. Like, yeah, do what you can do. I mean... You might not have the success if you're just doing it a little bit here and a little bit there. Or move as fast or... Uh Right, yeah. It might take longer to get there. Yeah. I mean, there's all ways to do it. There's so many different ways to do it. And like, as I'm listening, you know, there's like some people this way, some people that way. And there's just so many ways to... But, you know, I think making art... I feel so blessed that I, you know, have this in my life, you know, as a, as a place to explore and make sense of things. You know, I, I envision myself as an old person still making work. Mm. I don't know what that will look like because I, you know, will I be able to see or will I have ability to use my hands? But I know that I will always be making something. Um, And that to me feels like a blessing because, you know, Mm. I might not have children and all that, but I'll have my work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in particular that you feel like you've learned about yourself in recent years by doing your work? <sighs> That's a hard one that I've learned about myself from doing my work. I think I've things I've always known. I mean, I'm, I, I have a good work ethic. I'm willing to try anything, you know least once see what it's like with within art we didn't talk about that uh i started taking ceramics classes with ryan mccurley oh i don't know one of the that. great uh ceramicists here in austin um at the doherty art center oh. um and that was great i mean i just decided i needed to try something totally new yeah. what a great thing to think three-dimensionally that and that might have led to some of this new work because i was working with big blocky shapes yeah um and so that was really fun so yeah i'm willing to try like oh i'll try ceramics why not you know let's, let's see what that's like yeah um so that could be another direction you go in potentially in the future no 
probably not. Oh, okay. Not in any sort of serious way. Okay. Yes, I can, I'll continue to do that, um, but not in any sort of serious way. And I kind of like leaving it that way. Like, this is just something, you know, I'm yeah. doing, I, in my own mind, it's just like a, maybe it's a game you play. I was like, oh, I don't do that very seriously. You know, um, like ceramics is really like, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of science behind that. And uh, uh, I'm not, there's a lot to learn there. A lot of I'm, equipment. Oh, and, a lot of equipment and all that knowledge about the glazes. And I'm yeah. just, whoa, it's way, you know, yeah, I, yeah, that, yeah. it's like a whole lifetime of learning there. Yeah. That, um, yeah, you've already dedicated yourself to painting. I've dedicated, and I feel like I'm a painter. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with. And, you know, you see all the amazing ways to create art these days, you know. And I know that if I was a young person, I would maybe not be a painter. But, ah. you know, I came into life when I did. And I committed myself to, you know, painting. And um, What do you think you would be? If you know, sometimes you were starting out now. I think I would be that person that you know before, like a TV show. They have all those where they have all those cool images, uh-huh. like where you know what do they call that part? Like it's the intro before yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. some of them are so like for beautiful, or like, or like yeah. uh, the one for um, True Detective. Yeah, yeah. I just love the way you know. I love that stuff. And so I often think, oh, I would do that. Yeah. yeah. Something maybe with film or moving ah. images or, you know, something. Like motion graphics. I would, yeah. C- computer yeah. something that, you know, okay. not so hand on, you know, mm. you know, um, I think that would be really. Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be very cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it's too late to do that. It, um, <laughs> yeah. My mind just doesn't work like that anymore. And, um, I could if I really wanted to, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. But no, I'm happy just being a painter. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm happy making paintings for people's homes too. Like you know, I, I kind of oh, I don't need to get into all that, but yeah, yeah, that's it's pretty mm-hmm. it's pretty wonderful to to have someone give you some feedback and say like, oh, I wake up every morning and look at your painting and it makes me so happy. That's like for me, like like if somebody like hangs their painting in their house and like they're like opposite where they wake up in the morning, that's like the prime spot. Yeah, you know, yeah. I would love for people to wake up with my work in the morning and like have that be what they see, you know, before they go to bed, what they first see when they wake up and ah, have it kind yeah. of set their mood, you know, a place to set their intention to kind yeah, of think through perfect. things. Yeah. 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 But living rooms could work too. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. There was something, and, I, and maybe this is one of those things we'll edit out. I'll talk to you about it and you can decide uh, yeah. if, um, you know, when being an artist, you make certain decisions in your life that, um, you know, I'm an artist and I'm, I feel like I'm a successful artist because here I am, you know, I decided at 11, I'm 55, I'm still an artist working every day. And so, yes, I'm a successful artist, you know, but, um, you know, do I have museum shows and and, in that kind of realm? Um, no, I'm not that. And I think, you know, those kind of things come from different decisions that you make along the way, which I don't think I always knew I was making or anybody, you know? Um, and I think that, um, I put love first. Mm. I think that, um, I've always put love first. So I, I, and I'm not sure what that means, but I do feel like it's had some effect on my career. I can't pinpoint anything that's not about blame, but I do feel like there's something there. Love. Well, maybe just being a wife. You know, Mm. I think that if I was really going to um, go after a career, that being a wife is probably not a great idea. Maybe not early on. Um, You know, a lot of successful men photographers and photographers, you know, artists in the past have done so well and because they had the support of a wife, 
Yeah. Right. But um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, and there may be somebody like Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I loved that whole story about her. Yeah. She had the support of her husband, which was, you know, they made a point of that in that movie. Yeah. That's yeah. unusual that yeah. a woman would have the support to become. And so I feel like deciding to get married in the time that I did and in, in, in the age that I live in as a mm. woman, you give up. And, um, and I'm not saying that Leon's not supportive. He totally is. And, you know, we, I think to a certain degree, we live outside of those, you know, structured, what society tells yeah. you men and women should be and what a wife, but there are things that are just, you are who you are and you grew up when you did and they, those things carry through with you, you know? Um, and there's certain compromises you make in relationships. And there's compromises that you make in relationships, you know? You know, I said maybe I would, you know, go off and, and uh, be a Sikh and, yeah. and because I was doing so much, you know, right? Because if I was married, I was grounded here, but maybe I would have, who knows what I would have done if I wasn't married and kind of more grounded to that um, and, and committed to that relationship above yeah. and beyond all. But in the end, that's what's important. And I then mean, and to me, it is. And in the end, I feel like, you know, my relationship with Leon is a good one and a lasting one and a strong one. And yeah. um, it's something I think I don't everyone aspires it. to. Yeah, and we're lucky we're both artists. I mean, that's really yeah. great. We, you know, we used to not help each other so much, but more now we do. There's a lot more back and forth conversation. Um, I'll ask for him to look at things a lot because I can't see mm. him anymore, and I'll just need a set of fresh eyes. And you know, he'll he'll give me his opinion, which is great. And and he's honest. Yeah. yeah he's, oh, not, yes. he's not going to say, oh, that's not, yeah. <laughs> which is good, which is really helpful. You know, and yeah. sometimes I listen to him, sometimes I ignore him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a, a relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I see what you're saying about mm-hmm. love. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh... Love, you know, there's a lot of compromise if you're in a relationship with somebody. And so... I yeah. wonder, I, I'm looking back, I don't know for sure, you know, maybe it is my own self that kept me from achieving, you know, when I was a young person, yeah, I wanted to have museum shows, I wanted to be, you know, that per. I wanted to be Rothko, you know, I wanted to be Picasso, you know, yeah. um, I wanted to be a man, to be honest, I think that was because all my role models were men, yeah. you know. Um, and it seemed like maybe it was just more doors were open to them, it was... Yeah, I mean, we were talking about earlier, it's like, so when I was growing up, you know, I was definitely a feminist, you know, but to be a feminist meant that it implied that there was struggle and that we weren't equal and we had to fight for it. So, I mean, yes, I was a feminist, but yes, I wish I was a man, you know? And so that was a bit of a battle between myself. It's like Mm. not completely comfortable being a woman, but fighting for that because I was, you know, it's... And and I think that, um, you know, I could point to different people that were being successful, um, like Helen Frankenthaler, right? Uh, she was a woman when I was growing up that was, you know, kind of, in my mind, successful. Um, or Barbara Kruger, who wasn't a painter, but, you know, a successful woman artist. But I still felt like, hmm, that, that, that was a struggle. It was hard. And I... I, I, I mm, and I'm still a little pissed today that it's still not there. I still feel mm. like we're, we're, we're still fighting, you yeah. know, obviously, you know, yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. like, really, how can we still not be there? It's like, it's slow. It's a slow, slow to change. You know, everything takes so long. I'm just getting a little frustrated, yeah. you know, and, and you could point to a lot of examples where it's not, but you know, 
And and again, slowly, you know, we still don't have a woman president, you know, it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We went the opposite direction. Uh, we went the opposite direction. Like, like come on. Miles. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought we were really on our way. We were going to make big leaps, you know, but well, yeah, maybe this year, maybe it will happen this time around, you know. Yeah, we'll see. Let's hope. Let's hope. Well, maybe, uh, maybe let's just touch on your upcoming show at Prizer. Yeah. To finish up. And maybe we could just share some details and what people should expect. If you haven't been to the Prizer Gallery, it's an unusually shaped yeah. gallery. It's more than a gallery. It's also offices and things like yeah, that. Yeah. So it's, as my friend described it, like a T-shaped gallery with kind of long, narrow spaces. And, and it's, not, it's not necessarily pristine as, a, as most galleries can be. I decided that I wanted to uh, arrange the work so maybe it looks a little bit more like a studio or like a home. Hmm. Um, I'm, so I'm giving myself two weeks to really set it up. Something that I really haven't done in the past. I've just kind of you know put works on the wall, you know one you know next to another. But these I, I kind of want to arrange maybe some leaning up against the wall that are low to the ground so you could sit next to it. Some others you know the studies mixed in with the final hmm. pieces um, and 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 maybe a little bit of furnishing like so chairs. Um, I really. One of my favorite pieces that I recall was the James Terrell piece at the Guggenheim. And I don't know if people went to see that last piece, but he had mats on the floor of the Guggenheim that you would lie down on and then just like look up at the, you know, the, the sky, like the yeah. skyscape. And whenever I go to the skyscape on campus, I lie on the floor, you know, because I, I just, I never understood this like, like, Art can be so formal and you go to the gallery and you stand in front of the piece. And it just, yeah. um, I just feel like, I want my work to be viewed in a more comfortable position. I think mm. the idea of sitting where you're comfortable and it's relaxed and, um, and you let the work slowly seep in instead of like, okay, now I'm standing in front of this piece and I have to figure it out. You know, it just seems. Yeah. And now wait, there's a bunch of people behind me. I got to move to the next one. Yeah. And, so, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, I really hope that just the way I arrange the work and I'm, I'm not exactly sure how it's going to happen until I get in there and I need to find some furniture. Yeah. And, but, um, that's my idea behind how, um, I want to arrange it. So it's a little less formal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounds really interesting. I'm wondering if you could just speak a little bit to the process of making this work. You have listed oil, wax, and book binding tape. As yeah, yeah. It, 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 it is a pro- I'm a very process-oriented artist. Like, that's part of my favorite part is the ah. process of, you know, um, so, like I said, I'd make the sketches, i do the studies, but, you know, I, um, so once I know what I'm doing, I, I tape, I first, um, I'm waxing the paper with this cold wax medium because I don't want them to have to go behind glass. Yeah. And the cold wax medium acts as what we, I'm going to call a sacrificial layer. Hmm. If something gets on it, then you can, and I've tested it, it works pretty good. You can actually just clean off that first layer and it oh, doesn't, wow. it doesn't, you know, stain the paper. Wow. So, and then you could apply more wax if need be. So, um, so for first thing I'll do is I'll just, you know, first I have to apply the paper to the panel, which is, uh, okay. kind of, you know, it's a big piece of paper. I'm working four feet by four feet. So I have yeah. to apply the paper to the panel and that, and then weight it down with all our art books. And yeah. then I, uh, then I wax the paper and then I tape it all off and then, um, and then I draw on the tape what I'm going to the shapes. Okay. And I, and I cut out those shapes and then I'm not really using a brush anymore. I'm using a number of different types of squeegees to get mm. the paint on there. Mm-hmm. And I'm mixing the paint with 
uh, also with the cold wax medium because it makes for a nice real flat uh, mm. look, um, really matte. Yeah. Um, and then parts of it, I'm running a squeegee across to kind of get different effects. So it's, uh, and I'm painting over the tape at times. Uh, I'm using a book binding tape instead yeah. of just masking tape, which is archival. And, and that really stays in the work, the tape? Too? The book binding tape. Oh, okay. Yeah, the masking tape that I do at the beginning obviously okay. comes okay. up. The very first pieces I did, I kept the masking tape in, but then I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. It's masking tape. It's meant to come off. It's, yeah, you know, yeah. it's not meant to stay forever. So I did my research and found some book binding tape that's mm. archival and uh, found it in the colors that I wanted. So the tape actually makes up the shapes itself, and the tape is painted on? Some of the, yeah, some tape is painted. Some Some of the paint is just paint. Like the black is just black. It's okay. paint. And then sometimes I'll paint over the tape um, and try to get a little bit of that showing mm. through. I'm just trying to give it a number of different uh, surfaces and an interest. I want them to read really well far away, but I also want it to be interesting when you come up close. I mm. want it to. And then, you know, what I love about this work is when you're in a room with daylight, it changes depending on where you're standing in the room. You'll see things that you couldn't see from that angle. Even though they're very simple, I want them to hold your interest. Yeah. yeah. And these are things that you figured out living with the work. Like living with the work and just experimenting. Mm. Trying lots of different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Cool. And that's, yeah. uh, so that's at Prizer Arts and Letters at 2023 Cesar Chavez and the opening reception's March 15th from 7 to 10. Mm-hmm. And the gallery hours are Saturdays from 12 to 5. And how long is that? Oh, it'll be up until April 13th. Right. So you can come on Saturdays. You can make an appointment if that doesn't work for your schedule. We'll have a few other events. We'll probably have a closing. And then we're also going to have an afternoon respite. Oh, nice. Uh, That's where the word came from. Um, Where I will talk a little bit. But hopefully with the seating, um, it will be more of a conversation than me just talking talking at you. Could have like little cots and it could just like take naps. In I there. would love that. <laughs> <laughs> and just wake up uh, and be like, oh, it's Stella's You work. know, I like a good bed. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that sounds weird too. But yeah, yeah, we were just talking about the van and the trailer. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, we, yeah, we didn't bring that up yet. No, yeah. It's a whole you, other subject. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much. Well, well thanks, Stella, for being, uh, for your time. And yeah. I really enjoyed it. All right. It was good. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care.